welcome back to Pinstripe Pulse episode 12. We are drafting international Yankees from different countries uh, from all time. we got a new guest here today too. Get into it. Welcome back to Pinstripe Pulse. Again, this is episode 12. I'm joined by Jake as always, and we have a new guest for today. Um, he is the president of the New York City Metro Baseball League, which Jake and I play in. He's also our teammate and fielder for the Radio City Rockefellers, a Sandlot team from New York City, who will be taking the field in Austin in a few weeks. Uh, and our friend, Christian Clone. Christian, how's it going, man? It's going great. Thank you for having me. Yep. Christian's uh, also a big Yankees fan, a longtime fan. He's going to come help us out with a new interesting topic for today. Uh, but first, uh, Christian, you want to talk a little bit about uh, what you do with Metro, you know, our, our local New York City Baseball League? Uh, not to take up too much of your guys' time, we can jump into this juicy stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm the president of the Metro League. I've been a part of the league for the last 10 years. We're going into year 11 now. Um, and you guys doing this is a byproduct of the sense of like community that the league has really been cultivating. And that's why I'm on now supporting you guys and sharing as much as possible. And and I'm very much tied to your success. I'm happy for you guys. Yeah. And thanks so much for joining us. You know, if you're a baseball player in the New York city area, you're a Yankees fan like us, I imagine a lot of you guys played baseball, um, you know, come down reach out NYC MBL on Instagram. Uh, you can look it up online. We got plenty of teams uh, that are always looking for players, some new expansion teams coming this year. Uh, so if you want to play some ball, feel free to reach out. We got the Hudson Hurricanes as well. Jake's in charge of our team if you want to get involved with us. But, you know, we got a, a bunch of different teams at different um, ability levels all around the league. And uh, we couldn't do that without the help of guys like Christian and who, who really run baseball around the city. So we appreciate you supporting us and also bringing your Yankees knowledge here. Do my best. Yeah. Yeah, we've been looking forward to having you on for a minute now. So finally glad we got some time in. Made the arrangements, boys. I was I was hype. <laughs> oh god, moving stuff around. It's like absolutely, absolutely. A little shuffle here and there. Yeah. Jake, how are you feeling today? I'm all right. So um I told Liam this earlier, Christian, but so I've got a like a little thing what goes on is uh in the middle of the night, I'll tend to uh, jump out of bed while sleeping just instinctively, like I'm trying to catch something, maybe a baseball, who knows. Um, it happened in Nashville, actually, in the bunk beds, but it happened today in my own bed, or last night at 2.20 a.m., and um, pretty much the entire right side of my body is bruised up right now. So I remember it happening in Nashville. <laughs> I busted my lip up real good. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Being a neurologist. <laughs> bumper. You should get you a bumper. Oh, man, I... Like a bowling alley. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I have my own like little Tony Stark setup. Well, we're glad you're alive for us, Jake. Because uh, we got important business here on the <laughs> on Pinstripe Pulse. Um, so there's not a lot going on in Yankees land. Not much to talk about besides the usual stuff that everyone's already complaining about on Twitter. So if you're looking to complain about left field and a shortstop for the, the second month in a row, feel free to... Uh, 
engage with us there online or go follow Yankees Twitter. Um, but we have something interesting today uh, that I want to highlight. You know, we got the World Baseball Classic coming up in a month um, with a bunch of different countries and a lot of different players. You know, you might see an MLB, uh, but some you don't always see. So I want to honor a bit of the past of the Yankees um, and go through each of the countries um, that we've had Yankees play for. Uh, we're going to draft different players from different countries. Um, some of our countries being uh, USA, of course, Cuba, Canada, the DR, Japan, Mexico, Puerto Rico, Venezuela. We're also going to pick a Black American figure. And then we have a few at-large regions uh, to pick from. And what we're going to do, uh, all of us, we're going to pick one player from each of these different places around the world. Uh, talk a little bit about them, you know, who we think was the best Yankees from these respective regions and just, you know, highlight some of these, um, especially a lot of the early ones, trailblazers um, in the international game, you know, making baseball an international game, bringing it into the U.S., playing at a high level uh, for our beloved Yankees. We've gone over the rules a little bit. Uh, we're going to go in a semi-snake order. We're going to go one through six straight, and then we'll flip the order and go back in reverse. Again, only uh, once a player from a country is taken, that country is out for the rest of the game. So we're all going to pick players from different countries um, as we go through. And hopefully we're going to highlight maybe some players you haven't heard of in a while. You know, give them give them their credit. Maybe not Hall of Fame players, uh, just some even some bench pieces. You know, I'm excited about one in particular um, who is just a real fringe player from the from the thirties. So we'll see if I get to him. I don't want to spoil my picks too much, but uh, Jake, you want to get us started? Yeah. So I figured there would be two different trains of thought. I can go with this either pick like the best player on the board right then and there. That makes the most sense for like, you know, the iconic pick or kind of try to weed out some of the countries that have good talent, but maybe not the best talent. Um, So I decided to go with a guy that we're all familiar with uh, Hideki Matsui. Uh, capping off Japan real quick. If you look at his numbers coming out of uh, NPB, he's just had an insane career. Like he started off as a power bat, but then he comes to New York City. He's one of the most durable Yankees that we've had in the outfield in a long time. Um, you know, he came out with a bang, 16 homers, 106 rubies his first season. And then he just kind of kept it rolling from there. And he always performed big in the, uh, the, big, no the big moment. You know, he was a playoff guy for us. Uh, year in and year out. So he's easily my first pick. I think that's a really good pick. Um, you know, we think about a lot of Japanese players who might have played for the Yankees. I think I, I looked up yesterday. There's only six. Um, yep. and the entire list is Matsui, Tanaka, Ichiro, uh, Hiroki Kuroda, Keigawa, um, and Irabu uh, with, with a brief stint on the Yankees. But, um, you know, historically, we, we think of Japan as a baseball powerhouse, but really, um, it's just some of the top-end players that have come over and really proven themselves in about the last 20 years, you know, Ichiro Shohei. Um, and Hideki Matsui is really one of those guys who broke the mold um, with Japanese players coming over, proving that they can play at this level. Um, I remember him really fondly. He was a big part of my childhood, obviously a huge part of that 09 World Series team. Um, yeah, I love, I love Hideki Matsui. That's a great pick. 
So, uh, Jake, Jake throwing a little curveball here. I, I thought you were setting all of this up to like go the opposite direction. <laughs> I thought you were like, hey, you know what? Typically, this is what we do. So I'm like, oh, it's gonna be some obscure dude, like really curious and Hideki Matsui. So a little bit of like jedi mind tricks to start this draft <laughs> off cool cool <laughs> i'm to direct my prepared. own Shyamalan movie <laughs> <laughs> and then it's a, the, when you mentioned natsui the thing that sticks out to me immediately is game six game six of the stadium in the 2009 world series yep. like his that was like not a better curtain call than that so i gotta tip my cap all right now now you really got me rolling up the sleeves boys i gotta see what liam goes with now Putting pressure on me, man. <laughs> to be the I mentioned I have multiple monitors, and now you guys are like, "All right, cool, it's on." Putting them to use. I'll sweat a little bit. So oh, it's okay, okay. Interesting. I see how you're, you're updating this. Sweet. This is very helpful. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight it in red, so that way it kind of takes it out like a dark red, so that way we know they're off the board. Yeah, the visual is great. Um. So what's interesting about Japan more so than I would say most other countries on this list with, with the accession of the USA is that um, we have a pretty deep list for Japan. You know, I think uh, Masahiro Tanaka would have been a quality second pick if, if we were going too deep here. I think Matsui is ultimately the right pick, but you can look at Tanaka and his contributions to the Yankees um, being huge, you know, I, I think Tanaka is a bit unfortunate that his efforts uh, didn't result in a championship. Um, you know, obviously, I think we kind of feel that, but Masahiro Tanaka is one of the best playoff performers that we had in the past decade. Um, and it was really often the team around him, even if Tanaka didn't have a great season, um, coming up with some clutch time in the playoffs. Uh, and then we have the legend of Ichiro. Obviously, he isn't known for being a Yankee at all. But yeah, I think Matsui is a chalk pick for Japan. But to go one-one, I, I like where you're going. You're you're throwing us a curveball, putting it in our court. Yeah. What can I say? Um, but I will say that Tanaka, the fact that he was able to completely reinvent the way that he pitched after tearing his UCL in the middle of a season. Second season in the uh, the U.S., he completely reinvents the way that he like learns how to pitch. Went from a power guy to like a finesse guy within half a season. So he created longevity out of something that could have been a devastating injury for him. So I'm going to jump to pick number two. Um, and yeah, you put me on the not on the <laughs> back foot. I mean, I think I'm going to I think I'm going to have to go with the U.S., but who I go with is potentially controversial. It's going to be a controversy and... like, no matter how you do it. So there's one answer that most people will go with. And then there's two of my favorite all-time players who I'm between. So I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to pick Babe Ruth. I, I'm trying to figure out the balance of my team. You know what? I think I'm going to go for Mickey Mantle for the second pick from the United States. Christian's giving wide eyes now for Mickey Mantle. On the... <laughs> um, the, the, equi the Japanese equivalent of Matsui is probably Babe Ruth. 
at least today yeah. historically. Stock loading that power. So man, yeah. So I uh, this is just a taste pick, and I think Babe Ruth obviously has the more prolific career. Um, he's the more of the all-time baseball great that you think. Um, partially is because I have another pick lined up later at the same position as Babe Ruth that I wanted to. It doesn't position doesn't matter for this at all, but I kind of aesthetically wanted to go a bit different. I'm also an outfielder, so I'm impartial to Mickey Mantle. Um, if you think of the modern era of athletes, I think Mickey Mantle kind of um, is part of that transition into you know what a baseball athlete really can be and what being um, very athletic on the baseball field does. You know, he was a switch hitter, immense power, had an early injury when he was really young. Um, and consistent top two MVP every year, you know, 500 homers uh, from two sides of the plate. Uh, I think Mantle is really a transcendent kind of figure, and it even shows up in those poor, like, frame rate videos from the 1950s of him patrolling the outfield. Um, to me, he's, when I think of old Yankees that I didn't get to see, he's, like, the most fun in my head. So... Yeah, I think I'm going Mickey Mantle from the United States with my second pick. And down goes Frazier. Okay. Knocked <laughs> out the U.S. Pick number two. Clint. Huh. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I am actually not going in the direction that you gentlemen are going. I'm going to be different. So part of the reason my favorite player is Juan Soto is the game I went to at City. And um, I was in the out, I had outfield seats. And I wasn't sure who was at the plate. And this was before the Soto Suffle was, like, super common. I'm like, who is that kid? And then I realized, oh shoot, Juan Soto. Everyone, like, if you're you're in baseball and you follow baseball, you knew Juan Soto when he came up at what nineteen or twenty because Bryce Harper, whole kind of thing. When Bryce left, mm-hmm. he was basically coming up. Yeah. So I knew of him, but I never saw him. So his whole swag in the box, the kind of demeanor, that presence resonated. I was like, I like him. That's my favorite player. That's it. Even if he's a scrub, but obviously he's not a scrub. This turns out he's just like Barry Bonds. So it's fitting for me. So in that vein, I'm going with like a swaggy dude for my first pick. Um, His stint on the Yankees wasn't that long, but it was fun. And he's um, a borderline Hall of Famer. I personally don't think he is, but his numbers kind of put him on the fence. I don't know what his numbers are um, in terms of uh, writing the voters, but I'm going to go with Bobby Abreu. Yes. Yes. That's a great that pick. Was, that was literally going to be my first pick if it wasn't for uh, Hideki. It's, it's just so, so under the radar. He's he's like, uh, reminds you a little bit of Cano and that simplicity and that ease. Uh, and he had his own cool swag. I, I loved uh, Bobby Abreu, dude. That was my guy. So, rocking out with the swag. So that that's pretty much the theme I'm gonna carry. I'm gonna look at, and it's kind, it's gonna get tough because these older guys that you didn't get to play, you get a sense. So I'm, I'm thinking a combination of swag and grit is what's gonna direct my picks. I could change <laughs> it up. Bobby Abreu, Bobby Abreu, in his two and a half years on the Yankees, 
And if you include the first half of 2006 with the Phillies, he had 100 RBI in each of his years with the Yankees. Never eclipsed 20 home runs, which is such a different, even for only 15 years ago, such a different ball player than you think about now. But the man slugged 40 doubles a year consistently without fail. Um, He was really fun to watch as a three-hitter uh, pretty often in the Yankees lineup. He he just felt like he was always going to get on base, find a gap somewhere, um, had that swagger, had that grit. Um, and for someone who never won a championship, who only played two and a half years, I think he's remembered as fondly as most Yankees are remembered. Um, and Bobby Abreu, just for the record, is from Venezuela. So that brings Venezuela off the board. Um, but Christian, I think that's a great pick. I like where we're going to start. We're really going different to, off the board. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the reason that I ended up ultimately picking Hideki is because I think me and Liam had the similar mindset to like try to go positionally. So I was like, I don't want to go after one of the big, big positions and just like cut it off right then and there. So like it was between Hideki and Bobby for me. And like they have very similar numbers if you're looking at their Yankee lore. Um yeah. The dude is nasty. I mean, there's something about a 15 homer, 103 RBI season, 16, 101 that is so satisfying. And then like 45 doubles on top of that. Like yeah. so good. And also, like, let's not forget what he did in the uh, the home run derby. I believe it was 20, 2009, right? Or 2008? 2006. Yeah. Disgusting. Like he, he had crazy pop. He could have been a 40 homer guy if you wanted to. But that's just like not his game. Right. He's the better version of like Luis Arise if you want to compare him to like a modern baseball player. Yeah, he's a, a professional hitter. Like Michael Young's a good example. Mm-hmm. Michael Young was hitting fourth for the Rangers when uh, Josh Josh Hamilton was on the team, and like, yeah, I I I appreciate those types of players. I wish I was a real life GM. That's where I'd spend my money. Yeah. Jake, you want to take us into pick number four? All right, pick number four. Let's see. Follow yourself up. Good luck. <laughs> that was a banging first round. I'm going to have fun clipping this. <laughs> I kind of want to just go like full Death Star at this point. Yeah, I'm going to just do it. Uh, Derek Jeter, Black America, baby. <laughs> oh, um, that is Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> dang my next pick was out of there yeah right. i'm sorry it wasn't those ones where i was like do i just pull the trigger on the best possible yeah no pull the trigger and i'm not gonna be sorry so you shouldn't be sorry i'm, gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna be saying i'm sorry jake i'm taking your pick <laughs> you know what i'm, I'm not sorry I'm, i feel great about that pick because who wouldn't feel great about Derek jeter he's 310 batting average the dude played forever with the yankees he has an entire documentary about him if you haven't watched the captain yet i highly recommend it um the dude is just the best. Come on. It's it's really a, an easy one. And like the grit and tenacity, he has that factor scaled out there to a T. So I you can't go wrong. I mean, I feel like there are plenty of good options to go with. Like you could have gone Reggie, Reggie Jackson there. Um, CC obviously is an easy one to choose as well. But I think Jeter has just the best pedigree by far. Oh, I got my second one in mind if Liam steals him. <laughs> We fighting. <laughs> so you pick teammates, huh? If your next pick is also a teammate, that's just weird. <laughs> is it? <laughs> I feel See like if it's possible. See if he's you, just if picking you the O nine Yankees. <laughs> to pick, yeah, get nine teammates. Guys that played together at some point. 
Who <laughs> win? I could see I could see him getting there's a potential of him getting two more teammates of both of them. I, uh, yes, they're, but they're I, on I think oh, spoiler. I, I think we're gonna oh yeah. three more. Oh god. Yeah. That oh nine team diversity kills. I guess. Let's just say that, Puerto uh, Rico is really screwing me over right now because that's gonna <laughs> take away the uh, core four. Yeah. Oh yeah, you have no uh, way around. <laughs> Before I jump to my pick, um, I want to send some love to Elston Howard, uh, who I had on my board uh, as a Black American Yankee. Yeah, Elston Howard, uh, he was the first uh, Black Yankee, um, and he is one hell of a player to come do it. He's one of the best catchers of all time. Um, He won an MVP as a catcher. He was an all-star consecutively from 57 to 65. Um, had some awesome numbers. He didn't debut in Major League Baseball until he was 26. Um, winning an MVP, having about 1,500 hits um, as a catcher, 141 OPS, 153 OPS, 130. Um, stuff that's kind of unheard of. Maybe Harmon Killebrew should have won the MVP. I was looking back at the 1963 awards voting, um, but we don't have to talk about that because Elson Howard – also uh, was a great for the Yankees, not only as a player, but as a coach coming back with those 70s teams. I know that he was uh, known as a mentor to Reggie uh, when when Reggie Jackson would fight with Billy Martin and, and vice versa. So, yeah, Elson Howard, I want to give him a shout out. But the Yankees have had a lot of really great um, black players, especially in, in the modern game. So I think Derek Jeter's about as good of a pick as you can have, but I want to send some love to him. And pick number five, Christian. What what country are you thinking of for your pick? Canada. You're oh, you're yeah. thinking Canada. <laughs> I could be. <laughs> could be. Could be. I, I feel like so, you're so you're after my you. pick. Why are you feeling me out, man? <laughs> you picking before <laughs> me, taking him down. Well, after. After my pick, you have two picks. So we're going to flip. You're going to get six, and you're also going to get seven. Just so you know, we'll flip from there. Um, so, you know, I'm going to go Puerto Rico. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Nope. I wasn't thinking it. Puerto Rico. You're the man. Yeah, you, you effectively <laughs> destroyed my plan. But l- go ahead. Oh, Luis Tiant really played for the Yankees? He's in the Red Sox forever. But he actually, like... He very briefly played for the Yankees. Ah, okay, okay, okay. I Yeah, I was trying to put names that, like, have appeared at all for some of these countries. Um. So, yeah, but he very, very briefly. Um. Personally, I wouldn't pick him, but I didn't want to just put my pick all down only. Um, okay. All right. I got my next two. Oh, this is great. I'm going to go Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. Who who are you announcing? I'm taking one. Bernie Williams. Nice. Yeah. That's the PR um, team OG. Could have gone Posada here. Um, I think Bernie is just really an unrecognized all-time Yankees great. Um, he's an essential part of those 96, 98, 99, 2000 championship teams 
Um, he was a veteran presence on a team that was full of young players. There were young players in the core four that we know, and there was a bunch of old aging vets like Strawberry, Justice, and whatnot. Bernie Williams is right in his prime during those years. He was an all-star straight from 97 to 2001. Um, he was hitting over 340 in some of these years. Um, absolutely nasty. As a switch hitter. 900 OPS consistently as a switch hitter. Center fielder, who was a good, really solid defensive player. Um, one of my idols growing up, again, I'm impartial to outfielders. Um, I stumble into two Yankees all-time center fielders here, but I'm not mad about it. Uh, Bernie Williams, like you said, Christian, OG Team Puerto Rico. Um, on that initial 2006 uh, World Baseball Classic team, um, he's, he's my pick, and I, I feel good about him. Yeah, and also he he was a member of arguably the greatest Puerto Rico Windsor League team ever that he was teammates with Edgar Martinez, um, Juan Gonzalez, Roberto Alomar, um, Carlos Delgado, and Carlos Baerga. So he, he's uh, not very so much, yeah, yeah. The, the godfather. So. <laughs> Sweet pick, dude. Sweet pick. And for my back-to-back. Yeah, you uh, you made my job a lot harder now because I was stuck between both Bernie and Posada for that one, so thank you. Um, <laughs> I went to Elston Howard so bad. I was like, it's going to be my kick-ass, gritty dude. And yeah, you went with Derek Jeter. Have we ran out of – are we going to have to go with uh, Francisco Cervelli for catcher now? <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm punting on a catcher yeah i think yeah we can <laughs> just throw it to the backstop it's okay um no but if like we it, get it, to cervelli at the end i have an interesting conversation about cervelli because um, okay. he's a an interesting dual national italian right so his family is venezuelan and he moved to italy as a kid so he's ethnically venezuelan and that's how he got his baseball upbringing but he, um, there was turmoil that his family was involved in in Venezuela at the time that he was young. That's why he's represented Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic, and he grew up most of his life in Italy. Mm. Oh, that's so cool! I not know that yeah. at all. But oh, yeah, I'm gonna, oh, go ahead. I'm not going to go ahead right away with my picks, but I'm just going to tease the country. Dr. Dr. You know who would have thought? Six I'm interested. picks in that DR is still on the board. Who would have thought? It's, it's tough, right? Because like a lot, of, like I said, like early on, there's a lot of these countries where they're stockpiled with talent. And it's it's hard to kind of delegate when you want to use those picks because you kind of like want to see the bigger picture of everything. And I feel like it you end up leaving those bigger countries like DR and even America. Like it's easy to leave them on the back burner just because you want to try to get the easy ones out of the way. And yeah. then you end up like, oh shit, we're in like a a tougher position now because we have to choose against like the hardest best players in the world. <laughs> Which makes my pick so much better. <laughs> Saving the juicy ones. Oh, I'm about to piss in your Cheerios, my guy. So, um, sticking with my my special themes here, I like larger than life characters, and this guy. Big sexy Bartolo Cologne. Let's go. Is my second pick. 
What is there not to say? The home, the first home run he had in his career, it, it, of all ballparks, of all ballparks, Petco, Yanks yep. went out. The, the the length of his career, twenty game winner, like he should go into the Hall of Fame just on the longevity of his career and you know what he was working with, even to today, giving teams effective innings and being a productive player at this point. It's amazing. And he's still tearing up fifteen-year-olds in the uh, the DR. Right? Oh, I've I've seen those videos. Absolute abuse. It's it's fantastic. Throwing cutters right down the dick. <laughs> and visually, you wouldn't. He's unassuming. Yeah. What's there? There's every. I love everything about him. I mean, we share a last name too, so you know, partial. Was it? <laughs> so Can't you forget started, about. You started out with. <sighs> you set the stage nice, friend. Ah, so, and part of what were you guys? Part of the thinking? reason. Let me go on that pick for a second. Yeah. So what I was thinking there, I think part of the reason you alluded to it, Christian, is why the DR fell so much. The Yankees have a complicated history with some prominent Dominican players. Um. So on on our list, Bartolo was one of the names. A few of the other names are Robbie Cano, uh, Alex Rodriguez, who was born and raised in the United States with Dominican heritage um and alfonso soriano and if you talk about the born and raised dominicans specifically cano and soriano had pretty complicated careers with the yankees that go kind of hand in hand um being brief superstars um that ended up leaving for different reasons um bartolo cologne is more of that hall of fame fig enigma figure he spent less time on the yankees uh but cano you know he had a steroid issues he left the Yankees for a big free agent contract with Seattle. Soriano played, you know, flash in the pan early 20s career with the Yankees and then got traded away as part of the A-Rod package. Um, yeah, it's that you can't be too upset about. You got traded for A-Rod in his prime. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. a, a feather <laughs> in the cap, actually, if you really think about it. Trading for gold, but for even more gold. <laughs> that was valuable enough to be the centerpiece for Alex Rodriguez, like, Tap yeah. yourself, give yourself a pat on the back, guy. And he had great productive seasons in Texas. So like he uh went off into the sunset after that trade. He even had productive years with the Cubs. Yeah. Now Soriano was a beast. Forty six. Yeah, so you know what? Like a 30, 36. Some lengthy piece of lumber. And isn't Sevi? Sevi's Dominican. Oh yeah. Sevi's also Dominican. I think he can make his way up here. In time, in time, I I gotta see, I gotta see. I'm I'm a big fan actually. I I like his headspace a ton. I like uh, that he wants the ball all the time. You gotta like it easy, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, see, I have to be controversial for my third pick, so that's why I I clarified specifically about Louis Tian playing on the Yankees because. Super, super not ever going to be considered or regarded in that capacity for the Fenway faithful. So <laughs> I'm going with Luis Tion because that doesn't make any sense as a diehard Yankee fan. Yeah, he, he can't rock with me. He he, ha- he he was a character. This is a very similar pick to Bartolo in um, the sense of like Tion being quirky and just a little different and a Latino. So I was like, all right. Oh, wait, I have Venezuela, DR, Cuba. 
Wait, Cuba's right, right? Cuba? Okay. Yep. I'm liking I'm liking how the these guys are coming together. You got a quiet, quiet sexiness to Abreu and then Bartolo's larger than life and Tian Sikorki dude. I, I like uh my three stooges here. Tian spent one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight years with the Red Sox and then went to the Yankees in 1979. Um, a bunch of top 10 Cy Young finishes with the Red Sox. Came and was productive for the Yankees in those two years and two important years uh, in Yankees history, 79 and 80, both making runs to uh, into the playoffs into World Series where they ultimately didn't win. Um 30-game starter for those two years towards the back end of his 30s uh, and definitely an all-time Cuban character. And this is in an era where Cubans weren't really playing in Major League Baseball, but Luis Tiant was playing at a very high level. Three-time All-Star? Yeah. Something like that? A few sub-two ERA seasons, which is nuts. Stud. Yeah, yeah and uh, more than a handful of 20-game uh, win seasons. Let's see. How do you follow this up? How do you follow this up? I I I love uh how we're playing off each other with the picks, and you know, I'm having a blast with this. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I'm, ex I'm excited nice. for my next pick. For my next pick, I've been lining them up. Um, I but first, I want to give some love to El Duque, uh, who is another prominent Cuban for the Yankees. Uh, El Duque, he was only a relief pitcher, but he was as impactful of a relief pitcher as you can have uh, on some of those Yankees championship teams in the early 2000s. Um, really known as, as as a lifetime Yankee, the story of El Duque, as, as well as his brother Levon, um, was really interesting, you know, in terms of how they defected to the U.S. and everything, and how just how dominant, uh, how scared you were of Orlando Hernandez warming up in the bullpen. I um, want to send some love to him, another Cuban legend. My pick... I'm stoked for. Um, are you guys familiar with the work of George Twinkletoes Selkirk? No, no. <laughs> I, uh, I was looking for Canadian Yankees last night, and I stumbled upon George Twinkletoes Selkirk, right fielder for the Yankees, starting in 1934. He was born in Huntsville, Canada. Um, he wore the number three. Two men in Yankees history have worn the number three. One of them was Babe Ruth, who I also didn't pick, and George Selkirk. Um, George Selkirk hit 300 a bunch of seasons, had a 1.04 OPS, 0.931 OPS, 0.969. After Ruth left the Yankees, this guy was a, the starting right fielder for like 10 years. Um, what popped off the page was when I saw his nickname, it's literally on Wikipedia, George, quote, Twinkletoes Selkirk. Apparently, that's what his friends called him. He played from 1934 to 1942. Uh, this is as deep cut as you're going to get. I had never heard of this man before I looked on the computer yesterday. Uh, probably the most prominent Canadian to play for the Yankees. Um, and he had a pretty good, solid career, two-time All-Star. Um, won four World Series. Won five World Series with the Yankees. Um, he's the winningest Canadian uh, in the history of baseball. 
and that's because he was on some of those dominant Yankees teams. George <laughs> Twinkletoes Selkirk is my pick. Some may say he's the uh, Canadian Bobby Abreu. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he was inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame in 1983. Yep. Good for Twinkle Toes, man. 18 homers, 107 rubies, 308 average in 1936. You know, I'm looking at this board and we could have drafted a list of players with checkered Yankees relationships or past, like just strictly that criteria. Just enough players for that. <laughs> so many. Yeah. High <laughs> high profile too. You, you have Ken Griffey Jr. There's a bunch. Yeah, Ken Griffey hating the Yankees is uh, <laughs> good enough to get him on there. Who do you oh. think hates the Yankees most? Kurt Schilling or the field? <laughs> I'll take Schilling. Schilling. Trick question. It's uh, Manoa. The Schilling probably hates the media more. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. I think he hits the left the most, but yes. <laughs> back to you. Oh, back to my man, Jake. It's been a while since we've heard from you, friend. I forgot I was playing, honestly. Um, <laughs> y'all did a lot of the run work, shall a I say. A lot of derailing. <laughs> oh, my my uh, my roster is done for at this point. I have to go to resort to countries that aren't necessarily on the list right now. Um, ever been to Amsterdam? Great place. That being said, I'm bringing in a backup shortstop in Didi Gregorius, Yankees legend. Yeah, okay. <laughs> He's, uh, okay. I have Jeter now and his predecessor. So I feel like I'm kind of building something new. I don't know what that thing is yet, but it's going to work. Um, how many clutch Didi hits have we seen throughout his career as a Yankee up until, what, 2019? 2018 when he got injured um dude was was rocks for us for a hot minute there um there are a few other countries i could have gone with i was thinking canada as well but i feel like this ultimately going to be everyone's like fallback at the end of the day (laughs) so uh i thought i would pull everyone for a loop for a second and bring dd into the mix so you bring dd into the mix i'm curious then um how much of a comparable would you say J.J. Hardy is as a shortstop and his overall value compared to Didi Gregorius? Ooh, let's check. J- because J.J. Hardy was Buck Show Walter shortstop in Baltimore. And uh, Buck, Buck knows his shit. Uh, holes of an arm, good range, great defense, and then anything at the play was a plus. Like 20 home run guy, 100 RBI. But like a 200 average or 230, something like that. Can he still play short now? <laughs> oh, no. J.J. Hardy is <laughs> probably long gone. I know. He he retired in 2017. <laughs> uh, I'll put it this way. Um, J.J. Hardy definitely had a longer prime based off of his numbers here. It seems like he was a productive player for a longer time, for sure, like over a decade. Whereas uh, a very strong prime within that time. And it also led to a lot of success with the Yankees in the playoffs. So I think that Hardy... Could have been the Yankees shortstop that never been, if you want to put it that way. Um, but I can see where the comp is made for sure. Although I would say that DD overall, if we're talking prime, uh, DD has the edge just because his OPS is a little bit higher and playoff performance, all that stuff. And to me, DD also represents the impatience of just Yankee fans or 
Yankees ownership in general. Like you got spoiled with the captain and you failed to see the the value that Didi presented us with. Like, man, whatever. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of letting him go. That's not obvious. It's tough because like Didi has since that point declined significantly just because I think his body is starting to give out on him. But I mean, I think that just said like that's a testament to how he laid his body on the line to play for this team for all those years. Because shortstop in Yankee Stadium is demanding. Shortstop as a Yankee is demanding. So he he lived up to any kind of expectations I think that fans could have realistically wanted for him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. And just to clarify, Didi is uh, from the Netherlands, so that takes uh, Europe off the board. So that Jake just picked from our at-large Europe region. So Christian, for you, we got uh, we got Mexico left. I'm open to not having anyone pick Mexico upon further research. So you can pick anybody from Asia that's not from Japan. Um, from Central America and the Caribbean, that's not like DR, PR, uh, or or Mexico, or you can pick someone from South America. Wow! Did you just say Panama is available? Oh shit! Is, is Panama? I implied that Panama is available. Uh, I wish I had the music to cue my next pick. I'm guessing that's pretty obvious. Answer to Sandman, baby. See, now, now you gotta close with the silent killer. Oh, I love the sequence here. Abreu, Cologne, Tion. Lights out, ladies and gentlemen. First ballot. What else? What is there to say? It's, it's, it's Mariano Rivera. It's one of those players that's just like, his name is, is, a, is a mic drop because there really is no argument in terms of there being a comp at his position. What's the closest comparable? Trevor yep. Hoffman? Uh, yeah, it's either him, Not Applebaum, even the same and league. those guys are still miles below. Yeah. His, he has the highest OPS, or sorry, highest ERA plus of any player ever, which is kind of crazy. I, I, I always replay Sandy Alomar getting him. I'm like, mother. That was 97. 97, 97 in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And Juan Gonzalez getting oh, it. See, all these bad memories are coming back. 2004. This stealing <laughs> second base. Jesus Christ. Oh, you know who's a real pain in his in my ass as a Yankee fan? Um, re- with regards to Mariano, it's two guys. Um, oh my god, on the Red Sox. Left-handed hitter. Poppy. Played the infield. Why am I forgetting his name? He's the one Red Sox that, that really gave Mariano a problem. Bill Miller. Bill Miller. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of the... um, Who was Pedro's killer on the Yankees? Uh, Enrique Wilson. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Part of the reason why the Mo you know, when he gave up runs hurts us so much is because all of those moments felt like we won the game. Like the moment he came in, we won the game. And that's because 95% of the time that was true. Like in 2001 and after 2001, you know, bringing in Mariano in game seven, even on the road of a World Series, 
with a one run lead, you assumed like the Yankees won the World Series. Like that was that was the mindset you had watching him. Um, and that's usually what happened. So like we think about some of the tough times and even, you know, there he wasn't getting beat on like big home runs. It was, you know, Dave Roberts stealing second. You know, it was a bunch of blue pits in Arizona. Um, he really just sawed people down. You could not get a barrel to his cutter, to his two-seamer. Um, Mariano is really an enigma, one of the best athletes of our generation at such a specialized position. And he was the best ever at what he did. Yep. Zero so like yips there whatsoever, which is crazy. I would love to um pull up that last inning in 2001 and slow-mo uh the force at third on the abunt. I'm telling you, Scott Brocious had time to get the double play at first base. I agree. I have to rewatch, but I'm absolutely convinced. I'm like, oh my goodness. Because Mariano's a goal goal. He pounced on that. He got it quickly over. And he I guess he just better better safe than sorry, which is funny because Brocious is an excellent defensive player. I thought he Arenado would have turned that. He would have the balls to throw it over. I'm not gonna shit at my man though. It's just that that one particular inning is like, oh, come on, man. Tony Womack, Tony Womack. That's baseball. That is baseball, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm stuck between two minds here. I think I'm going to go with Asia. Um, I'm going to go with Chin Ming Wong, who is Taiwanese. Oh, Taiwan. Um, yeah. Oh, great pick. Hell yeah. So so he was he was a real great pitcher for us. And we spoke about on a previous episode with Jay Ray. I think we were talking about the 09 season, about how after his injury, he kind of shit the bed in 09 and didn't become part of that team. But Chin Ming Wong was like, he was our number one guy for you know those mid-2000s years. He was really one of the top pitchers in baseball. You don't see a lot of players from Taiwan. Um, a Cy Young candidate consistently. Jay Ray talked about how when he was a kid, he cried because CC beat him out for the Cy Young that one year in, in 06. Uh, that's just because Chin Ming Wong had like 19 wins or 20 wins and CC only had four. It was all win count. Was better yeah, back-to-back 19-win seasons, right? Yeah, 19 and 6 and 19 yeah. and 8, I think, something like that. Yeah, and he was he was really good for the Yankees. Um, years, you know, he had 363, 370 ERA, which don't sound low right now, but if you think about the mid-2000s AL East, that was, you get a sub four ERA in any pitcher. Uh, you look at ERA plus, that's 125, 122. You're looking at era adjusted. Uh, second in the Cy Young voting in 2006. Um, really a great player. It was a shame. He, he got hurt a few times. Um, one time he was running the bases in Houston, I believe, right? That's when he got hurt, um, which mm-hmm. is like an injury that obviously just doesn't happen now because the, the pitchers aren't hitting, and especially the American League pitchers who were not used to hitting, not doing that on a routine basis. Um, but yeah, I want to give some love to Chin Ming Wong, one of the few non-Japanese Asian players to really make um, to really make a name for himself in Major League Baseball in the modern era and to be a number one pitcher for a lot of my young Yankees life. I have fond memories of him. Yeah. That injury sucked just cause like it, I think it was the last kind of straw for his stint in New York city. And I think that he could have ended up being one of like a Yankee great, 
similar to the way that Tanaka was just because that longevity was cut short for him. Um, but he had all the tools in a, a three seven year a in like the tail end of the steroid era is nothing to sneeze at. So what he accomplished over there is great and uh, definitely deserves recognition. What, what, when did he debut? What year? That was oh, five. Yeah. Five. Okay. Yeah. In 2005, uh, we lost to the Angels, right? Because we had Randy Johnson. I remember Randy pitching in the stadium when I thought he should have pitched in Anaheim. Fastball pitcher, warm requirement. Mm. But uh, they gave him the start at the stadium. He lost. And then Wong had a great start game, too. But uh, they were like, he's a heavy sinker. And it was like a trampoline effect. He had a good outing. They lost. So just one of those things where I was like, man, you guys got the rotation wrong. Should not have lost that series. And then I remember the, the game, the eliminating game, where Jeter's like telling A-Rod, let's do this. He gets a base hit, you know, typical Jeter fashion, and then A Rod did what A Rod did. You know, it was pre two thousand nine postseason A Rod. You know, put it that way. Yeah, he was kind of wearing that Barry Bond scarlet letter for a while about no postseason success. So yeah, and I'm not gonna rag him too much. That was the one that really turned. A-Rod. Actually, I, uh, what were you? Where are you guys on this? Like Yankee fans that hate A Rod don't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I never hated him. Um, there were certainly like frustrating things to come out of his tenure, but I don't, I don't put all the blame on him. I put a lot of it on the Yankees organization as a whole, like the way that they went about that entire process. Um, I think that there was a battle of the egos, kind of when you brought in him to compliment Derek Jeter, just because he was slotting over to a new position, and I mean, I. I'm just going to keep on saying it. Watch the captain because there's a lot of the dichotomy between the two that comes out in that, that show just because it like Jeter's talking about how he just wanted to win. And A-Rod, like a lot of people said he was just looking for approval to be like Jeter from a lot of people. Just, he wanted that type of aura around him. Hmm. Um, So it's just a tough situation because like, you can't fault the Yankees for wanting to bring in the best player in the world at the time. Um, yeah, I just, course. I don't think at the end of the day, it was the perfect match. Like he could have ended up a Red Sox and who knows how that would have been. Um, because he was, I think they had the trade ready to go in 2003. I want to say the Red Sox agreed with the Rangers on a deal and that fell through. Yeah. 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 And the Yankees. Yeah. So People who knows? Fire. Exactly. So who knows how that would have changed the course of history with the organization, but I think it kind of like that, that relationship needed to happen at the end of the day, just for yeah, things to play I mean, out the way they are now. I just don't see how you can hate him when our last championship, no A-Rod, no World Series. We're not even in the World Series. Yeah. Yeah, he carried us oh, that postseason. Yeah, um, yeah so it's a little I, odd. Oh, man, I love the championship, but I could do without the players. Like, this didn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Got to take it, it all. It definitely frustrated me knowing his potential. Um, and how he managed himself and his personal decisions, especially that impacted the 2010-2011 seasons where we were still at that top level of like World Series level talent. I, I, I still think in 2010 and 2011, we were the best team in baseball for both of those years. Um, and between his suspensions and his injuries, um, 
as as a result of some of the nonsense with the PEDs. I know he served some suspension in 09 before he came back. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm frustrated with him less for his like playoff performance pre 09 and more for like how his conduct, um, off the field really kind of hurt that team from becoming a dynasty, if that makes sense. But I love him. I mean, he's on my wall behind me. I have framed, um, a signed picture of a rod hitting his 500th home run. Um, his 2006 card with their cheater on the wall and like a picture of them. That was a handout at like some game from 08 also up there. So uh, I'll, I'll zoom in when I edit on that. So you guys can see, but he's, he was my childhood nice. favorite. Still love him. Yeah. I always love him. It's funny. He's my brother's favorite player. He was talking when we were younger, he talked so much crap about bonds. Oh, it rods, rice and beans, rice and beans, oh, yeah, rice and beans. Yeah, when that came out, it's like rice and beans, buddy. Uh huh. Ease up <laughs> on my man. <laughs> All right, uh, Jake, you want to take us home? Yeah, you're gonna finish it strong, Jake, huh? Well, let's see. We don't have that many countries accounted, for, or we don't have that many that can be uh, pointed out here. So I, I'm stuck between two countries, but I think at the end of the day, I have to choose someone that's also a little controversial in Yankees world in more recent memory. And that guy is uh, Luis Sessa out of uh, Mexico. He is a dude who uh, I think he, looking back at it, he probably got a little bit more hate than warranted as a reliever for the Yankees. He did start off pretty slow from 2016 to 2018, just very, even 2019, very tumultuous, like four ERA guy, five ERA guy in 2018. But, there was still talent there. And then he ends up kind of piecing it all together, ironically, towards the end of his Yankees tw- uh, tenure in 2020, 2021, and then gets traded right as he was getting good for us. <laughs> so just one of those guys that, uh, I don't know, they don't necessarily need him, but it could have been nice to have that other arm in the back of the pen when all those guys were getting injured. Uh, your Your pick is really nice, especially with that detail, because the Yankees over the last few years have really done a poor job managing their resources, like unloading guys when they're like at top market value. I would have gotten rid of, I would have given the Mets whatever they wanted for Jacob deGrom. We had Frazier peak value. We got justice Sheffield at the time was highly valued. We held on to justice Sheffield. Like, Oh my goodness. I would love to see the Yankees change their their course and their approach. I mean, they overpaid for Andrew Judge, and that's their fault, being greedy. I mean, the useful life of that first deal, like the Yankees won on that. He The productivity didn't match the pay, and you allow that player to go to arbitration, so they just like really screwed the pooch on that entirely. They The Atlanta Braves would have signed Aaron Judge for a lot less, a lot sooner. $60 million for eight years. Yeah. Jesus, man. <laughs> you know, you could have... Judge, you could have gotten a second marquee player in addition to re-signing him if you had just done right by him to begin with. Yeah. So you had to pay the maximum price. He gambled. At least Sessa, they got they unloaded him when he got good. It's like, oh, we could You get it in reverse, guys. You have it a little backwards. Just a little backwards. But what would the Yankees be without Judge? 
they would not they would not be a playoff team, in my opinion. <laughs> and yeah, now Fourth we're place. paying Judge. Yeah, we're paying Judge thirty million dollars a year, and I love Aaron Judge. Yeah, but like you said, you know, 40. asset management. Um, with Sessa, you know, that twenty twenty one year, uh, he had a two five ERA between the Yankees and the Reds. Um, he was a solid player, a lot of mop up time, um, and really he he gave some valuable innings for the Yankees. You know, obviously Mexico is not uh drowning with Yankees talent to say lightly, um. But Luis Sessa was a solid player. I like the pick. I think it was the best pick you could have made, Jake. Yeah, it was between him and Hamie Garcia. But um, Garcia never impressed me once as a Yankee. Like, before his Yankee tenure, I was like, all right, this guy might have something. But there was one more pick that I could have gone for for another country, and that was Graham Lloyd out of Australia. Oh, Graham <laughs> Lloyd, man. Yeah, you just you, – you hit right at, like, the type of players that – significantly contribute to a championship and just like no credit like dude 301.67 era in 1998 with 50 appearances like <laughs> i'll take that any day and he did that in the middle of the most dominant yankee state uh season so it probably gets swept under the back burner a little bit i swept under the rug just because there were so many other good players on that team but really yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they had great parts they had jeff nelson they yep. had Ever this forget a Swiss Army knife. It was so much more than that. Swiss Army. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, that it, it. This is fun. The 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 bits of uh, Yankee uh, conversation that come up with these picks and their their history and things you start talking about. Yeah, when are you going to talk about Graham Lloyd's contribution? to Yankees championship teams other than in this format, right? Like uh he's revered yeah, in yeah, Australia. Exactly. He's like a legend. Yeah. My uh cousin uh my cousin from Ireland played soccer in Australia for a few years and he told uh he told one of his teammates like, "Oh, like my cousin Liam, he's a big Yankees fan." And they're like, "Oh, does he know Graham Lloyd?" <laughs> And like the, he's like a celebrity <laughs> there. Like if you follow baseball in Australia, he's he was really a a pioneer, yeah. as a lot of these guys were for for their countries coming over to MLB. I mean, he had a really solid career. Like that's that's cool to see. And I wonder if he like grew up playing baseball because at at that time in Australia, I I can't imagine that it was a popular sport. Like I'm sure like I've got a plenty of buddies from from Ozworld, and like all of them either grew up playing rugby or playing. Aussie rules football or uh, cricket. So I don't know if he was a cricket player converted into a baseball player, but I'm sure he has a, like a fascinating origin story. Oh, heck yeah. He definitely played volleyball. I'd be shocked if he didn't. On the beach. Because he's like 6'7". Yeah. Oh, yeah. 6'8", 225. Sheesh. So we got, what, five, five outfielders? We're just stockpiled with outfielders and... Uh, relievers and that's about it and then we got two shortstops <laughs> so to, to give an overview of all of the picks um so jake's team he went with hideki matsui from japan Derek jeter as his black american dd gregorius from the netherlands as his europe pick and luis sessa from mexico uh, my team i went mickey mantle from the u.s i went bernie williams from puerto rico i went george twinkletoes selkirk from uh, the great country of Canada, 
and Shin Ming Wong from Taiwan as my representative from Asia. Christian went Bobby Abreu uh, from Venezuela, Bartolo Colon from the Dominican Republic, Luis Tiant from Cuba, and of course, Mariana Rivera from Panama as his Central American pick. Who do you think won the draft? Think? Oh, you need to re rephrase that question, friends. <laughs> who knows they won? This guy. This guy knows he won. <laughs> Let's look at a cumulative war, why don't we? Hell I, no. I win war. <laughs> I had a, Mickey, yeah, Mickey I was Mantle's say, an outlier like, here. Twinkle Toes is the real unsung hero of your bunch, though. Twinkle Toes yeah. is a 25 career war. That's he's a two-time all-star. It's better than a lot of players in the MLB right now. Better than every other Canadian Yankee, for sure. I feel like my picks just got like went from like greatness to just progressively like, yeah, that makes sense. Um what is Mariano's war? Fifty-six career war as a relief pitcher. That's nuts. That's insane. Is that higher than um, David Wright's entire career war? There, right? Yeah. Yes, it is oh, by Wright. six war. That's nuts. I almost was going to say whatever Moe's war is, double it, because that's the value. But I guess this war is adjusted to accommodate how, how dominant he was. I'm trying to think of Hall of Famers that are like, I mean, what's Jeter's war? 70-something? Jeter's war is 71. Yeah. Mariano is 57. That's strangely comparable. Serious. Yeah, That's nuts considering he's played, what, half the games, if that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Araldis Chapman is the best closer in Yankees history. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Hot take. Yeah, he'd be I one like of, all the, of our teams. Uh, checkered guys for that draft. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I think if you put them all together, it turns out to be one pretty damn good team. Just need a a, a catcher is all. Oh wow, yeah, we don't have a fucking catcher. And then there are guys like Don Mattingly who didn't make like. There's so many Yankees that we could have. There are so many like just different formulas to put this all together. Yeah, and you guys spread spread the love uh, geographically. I I look at mine. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty much Latin America. No design. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you had, yeah you had all Latin America because Jake had well, I had Puerto Rico. Jake had Mexico. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. worked out that way. I mean, a lot of the there's there's a lot of different Latin American players you could have gone here, which I I think it was really cool. The different all the different countries they come from just within. Uh, just within Latin America is really cool as opposed to like the rest of the world, you know. The DR and Venezuela are like easiest, to, like the easily the hardest ones to choose from though, just because you have so many options that are like top tier. And I didn't go with the top tier. Ah, ah, <laughs> ah. <laughs> Went with the top tier and the, the fans' hearts is what matters. Yeah, yeah, that that's where you get all of the the color and essence. Uh, of true fanatics, you know, these capacities, not necessarily like the sabermetrics. I still love the Abreu one. Like, that dude is awesome. He was rocking, rocking the chain. 
You know who's a good modern day uh equivalent in his own right? Um Jock. Jock Peterson, yeah. I just if he can if he can stay healthy and play like full seasons for the next what eight years or so, like that that dude will have like a legitimately just like really nice career to look back on. Yeah, rocking so, the think, pearls, doing his yeah. thing. Love Jock. To be to set the record straight, though, I was wearing pearls in Hurricanes games before he started wearing pearls. Just have to say that. <laughs> just, just, need to need to put that out there. There are pictures nah, somewhere. Didn't start this. If you I want did. to set MLB fashion trends, join the Hudson Hurricanes. Join New York City Metro. That's the <laughs> we're making the moves in the in the pro game. Oh yeah, let's go. Uh, so I'm I'm curious what. How do you guys uh feel about um oh my goodness <laughs> second baseman labor labor yeah so I think both of us kind of share a similar mindset where like really good player um has a strong future in the MLB has contributed to the Yankees but he's not he doesn't fit the mold of the long term and almost nearly upcoming plan for the Yankees future. Just because you have Anthony Volpe and um, Oswald, Oswald Peraza literally right there, ready to go probably this year. Um, those guys are going to occupy shortstop third, second base, whichever way you and swing DJ. it. That's yeah. going to happen. Yeah. And DJ is going to be there for at least another four years, three years. So it just doesn't make sense to have Glaber on this team after this year. I would say that if he can keep his value high, then you trade him by the trade deadline and try to get some value out of him. But I just hope he doesn't revert back to what he did in 2020 and 2021. Eh, that's the problem. Because if he does, we have continued on this path. This is just frustrating. Yeah. yeah, That's my thing too. Like he's I think he's, he's coming from a place of surplus. Yeah, and he is clearly productive. Um. But it's that inconsistency. And like the moment you have that inconsistency, again, if he hits the low point, then his value tanks and we can't get something out of him when we might need to get rid of him at some point because he's coming from our, our surplus, which is second base. Like we have five guys now, DJ, Oswaldo, Oswald Peraza, Volpe, and Glaber, like all who can play second base and who can't. They don't all have solidified positions. Yeah. I hope they don't mess around with Peraza. I think they think that he's the best shortstop, like actual defensive shortstop out of the bunch is what I've been hearing. Um, Volpe has all of the intangibles of to be like the next captain type or like the next Mr. Yankee. So essentially work in tandem with uh, Judge as a leader on the team. I think that's where they see his place, um, which makes for a very interesting duo right there because I unless they move Peraza right now for someone like a Brian Reynolds, I see him also being a part of that long-term picture. And then it just kind of leaves Glaber in this like weird, funky middle ground where he's not fully committed long-term, but they're having to pay him 10 million this year. It just doesn't make too much sense. Right. And he only like had a 310 on base percentage last year in a better season. And they're big on, on base percentage. So that's another thing I would look into. Like, obviously we're not all happy that Aaron Hicks is on the team right now. But they're always going to point back to this is a guy that could give you a 350 OBP. And that's their reasoning for having him at least on the roster. I still don't think he's going to start. I don't think Liam thinks he's going to start. 
Liam, is that <laughs> is that correct? Yeah. So like, yeah. and but just having those guys that can get on base consistently, like Glaber in a good season last year didn't do that well. So I think that makes him expendable to them. Uh, I just I'm not a fan of his defense. Yeah. Like at all, his base running. Oh. It's uh, last year. I guess the Mets. I wanted to throw my phone at the screen <laughs> when he got back picked or whatever on that double. Yeah, he he's like a watered down version of um Robbie Cano, if you want to think of it that way. Ah. That's not that's not a knock on Cano at all. That's that's more of a knock on Glaber's uh I think focus more than anything. And his potential. Yeah, I just like to see them pat put together a good package. Yeah. Get something. <laughs> yeah. All Two this... years ago they could have had Castillo for him, which is crazy to think about. Well once upon a time, Gary was highly sought after. Once upon a time. Yep. Yeah, and what happens when you sit on these guys? And the thing is, like, beyond Volpe and Peraza, they have so much depth in the middle infield and also at third base as well in the uh, the uh, pro- prospect pipeline right now that there's really not a place for Glaber to be in the long-term picture at this point just because you have Trey Sweeney as well. You've got a few other guys. Um, What's his uh, dude that they drafted in the international draft in 2020, 2021? Um. They've got a lot of kids from the DR that are coming up that play the same exact position except better. So I just don't see a fit long-term at all. And I think that they would be best off trying to trade for like a high-end reliever at this point. And also they could get back some of that salary. Like $7 million goes a long way for clearing a little bit of payroll just for, you know, to stay away from that 293 mil uh, uh, tax threshold. So... Hopefully that gets done, but I think there's still plenty of time to do that. I think that we're going to see a lot of moves in spring training that first week. Like, look at what happened with Luke Voigt uh, last year. Like, I think those types of moves are coming at this point. Yeah, and they should. They should like to see some of the boss back in to, like, the the style of running the organization. I almost get the sense that they make the majority of their wealth through Yankees' ownership. Whereas George is like, it's my playground, man. Pop a coin, hold my beer. Like, come yep. on. And to Hal's credit, I will say, like, he did actually cough up the money to get Judge and then on top of that, get rid on. So I think that he's more kind of opening his eyes at this point to realizing there are issues within the organization when it comes to being like too not aggressive enough in previous years. And I think it's Cashman's term now that he has that new contract to actually step up and say, like, we're going to get this done. Um, Because Hal's the one who closed the deal on Judge. He was on a boat in the middle of, what was it, um, Spain or Italy? And he gets a call from Judge saying, like, hey, Giants are about to blow me out of the water. Like, this is your chance. And he said, do you want to be a Yankee? And then Judge said yes. And then he said, so let's get it done right now. And he was on a boat in the middle of vacation. So... I think that that shows initiative from ownership at this point, but it's up to the up like the um, front office, the the management team to really like shape this thing the right way, and make sure that they're set up to allocate resources in the places that need allocating. Yeah, right now I'm a Braves fan. <laughs> ownership, Braves ownership fan. Yeah, Alex yeah, Anthopoulos just... is a god. 
look at the, the what they've put together. The number of players they have under control for like what eight years, all of them at least for eight years for the majority. Take notes. Jesus. It's crazy because none of them are like big free agent signings. It's all sign and then extend, sign and then extend. So and it's it's taking risks early, yeah. but the the overall risk is lower because look at us what we're what we're spending on Judge and DJ combined is like what they and like Stanton what they amortize across like a bunch of players in their young mid twenties who are likely going to hit like Acuna, Harris um riley olsen uh albies like all of these strider guys. murphy yeah strider like you name it yeah. i mean all of those it's, it's if an half amazing of them don't list hit. yeah mm-hmm. christian here's a question for you because I, I think we've talked about this a few times but like one guy in my opinion that i think they should like really easily consider ex- extending for like a similar contract to that is a harrison bader type just because he is already on the Yankees. He is a New York kid through and through, and he brings like an intangible level of just incredible defensive prowess in uh, center field. So do you think he or someone else that's coming up right now would be the first one to get like that type of uh, like team-friendly extension? He would if, if they, I, I feel like the Yankees are hopeful that this, season and this postseason in particular is like his moment where he kind of just figured it out and this is the type of productivity they can see from him moving forward offensively because he's always been considered a, a gold glove type center fielder so if that's the case um well based on precedent you held on to Gardner forever he certainly this merits consideration because he's a better overall player it's not even close just I, I feel like Gardner's timing was just great because he was he was in a situation where he was supposed to be the fourth or fifth outfielder, and a shit ton of injuries just got him on the field. It wasn't by design, but Yankees fans tend to just think like, "Oh man, just keep putting Gardner out there." Like he's in the right place at the right time. He's not hurt. He's durable. <laughs> and as far as I know, Bader's uh not injury prone, so I could definitely say that. But they're gonna they're definitely gonna be looking at this season to determine how they move forward. I yep. love him. He's a great pick, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he's a perfect fit, and we'll see um, We'll see how he ties into the long-term plan just because they've got guys waiting in the weeds. But, um, yeah, I think we could go on for this forever, honestly. Yeah. I'm excited to see what we have in the wings in spring, too. Jason Dominguez got that invite to spring training, so that'll be fun. Yeah, and yep. uh, well, let's see, let's see, let's see that. I'm um been waiting to see the Martian for some time, but I forget how young he was when he signed. So he's still a baby. He might be able to debut by next year, but yeah, I'm excited to watch early spring. Um, but until then, you know, hopefully the Yankees make some moves like we've been talking about. Uh, we have some content like this. You know, this is a really fun exercise to talk about some old Yankees. Uh, to wrap it up once again, Jake's team, Matsui. Jeter, Didi, and Sessa. My team was Mickey, Bernie, Twinkletoe, Selkirk, and Chin Ming Wong. Uh, and Christian got us with Bobby Abreu, Big Sexy, Luis Tiant, and Mo. Um, I like those teams. I'm going to put out some polls. You follow us uh, on Instagram at Pinstripe Pulse Pod um, and Twitter at Pinstripe underscore Pulse. Um, give Christian a follow, uh, Sir Chris of Bronx on Instagram if you want to find him there. 
uh, NYC MBL, the New York City Metro Baseball League. Uh, Christian does a great job with that, as well as Jake and the management of the Hudson Hurricanes as well. Um, if you guys are ball players, we'd love for you to come out uh, and join the community, join the join the baseball family there. Uh, Christian, Jake, thanks for taking the time. This is a lot of fun. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, and we'll talk to you guys soon. We'll be coming out with an episode within the next week or two, depending on Yankees talk. Uh, but yeah, make sure to follow. Catch us on Twitter, on Spotify, and share with your friends. That's always appreciated. Thanks, guys. See ya.